Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. It's no secret how much we love our state. One of our most favorite pastimes is pointing to a place on the map and driving there to explore local shops, restaurants, and anything else we can find. The keys to a good road trip are snacks, a good playlist, and a clean car. Get your car ready for a Michigan road trip by calling Ride and Shine Mobile Car Detailing in Dearborn, Michigan. We know the owner personally, and there's not a harder worker than Darnell. He will come to your home or place of business for interior and exterior detailing, wax and polish, paint correction, ceramic coating, and window tinting, right in your driveway or parking lot while you work. You can find Ride and Shine Mobile Car Detailing on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, or you can call or text Darnell at 313-804-6441 to get your ride shining for spring. You ready? Are you recording? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Three, two, and one. <laughs> Welcome back to Great Lakes Confidential with Angie and Marty. It is Father's Day today as we record, and it's also Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. So happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Happy Father's Day to you. Even though you're not technically a dad, you are a father figure to my kids, and that's important. So, yeah, you You got it, babe. All right. So, uh, last time we were on the show was two weeks ago. I don't even remember. I think it was two weeks. Ever. So glad to be back. Yes. So I mentioned on our Facebook page that with both of us working full time. And then we also work opposite schedules and it's summertime and I run a small business outside of, you know, everything else. Yeah. And so we've been really kind of swamped and I used to be very good at organization and planning and I still am in certain aspects of my life, but right now I'm still kind of just scatterbrained and so it's very difficult for me to organize my life plus my work schedule isn't consistent i think you're fantastic at organizing everything i just think you know a lot of a lot of balls in the air right now. well thank you for saying that yeah we do and so with that being said you organize my life geez where would i be without you that's also (laughs) yes that is a fact so i didn't want to take a, a break during the summer because I feel like summer is a really important time in our state. There's Mm -hmm. so much stuff to do. And I don't want to leave our listeners high and dry. And I also 
really enjoy podcasting and I enjoy podcasting with you. So I don't want to stop for the summer. Thanks, baby. I enjoy talking about Michigan with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're welcome. And thank you. So instead of putting a complete kibosh on our summer adventures and shows and all of that jazz, I figured we would start doing the show bi-weekly instead of weekly, at least for the time being. Mm -hmm. And then once we have our poop in a group, then we can... Let's say ducks in a row, but... I mean, either way, it, it works. Then we can revisit and kind of see where we're at and go from there. Okie doke. Sound good? Yeah. All right. And also for any listeners, you know, we shared Doug's story last last show about um, his summer adventures in... Silver Lake Sand Dunes. Silver Lake Sand Dunes. Thank you. And I want to say that was really fun for me. And I like getting that insight into somebody else's world. So please keep those stories coming. You can send us a story via email at greatlakesconfidential at gmail.com about anything. I don't care if it's, you know, relatable to the show. I'll read it. You know, we'll, we'll kind of tie it into a, a show. If not, we'll just share it. Yeah, Randomly. I enjoy that too. I feel like we're all part of one big community. Yeah, for sure. So as always, we're going to start with County Roots. Mm-hmm. So we are just about through the letter C in the alphabet. Today we have Clinton County. Michigan's Clinton County was named for DeWitt Clinton, a U.S. Senator and Governor of New York who is credited with being the driving force behind the construction of the Erie Canal. In fact, Clinton County is home to the city of DeWitt, which shares the same namesake. I know DeWitt's right by Lansing. Yeah. I like to think it was named after George Clinton, though. Yeah, we can pretend. Okay. All right. Continue to keep that lie going for us. There we go. Us. Yes. The mothership has landed just north of Lansing. <laughs> Crawford County, home to Grayling and Hartwick Pines State Park, was first named Shawano County likely deriving from the Ojibwe language as a word meaning a southerner. The county was renamed Crawford for William Crawford, a Revolutionary War colonel who was executed after a skirmish with Native Americans near the Sandusky River in Ohio. Hmm. Hmm. So that's it for the letter C. Moving into D is Delta County. When Delta County in the western UP was first platted in the mid-1800s, it included... It included all of what is now Menominee County and parts of neighboring counties as well. Its original boundaries looked not unlike a triangle, so it was given the name Delta as a reference to the Greek letter of the same shape. Oh, gotcha. Dickinson County is our last one for today. Dickinson County was named for Donald W. Dixon, who served as... Dickinson? Dickinson. Okay. Sorry. No problem. Who served as Postmaster General under President Grover Cleveland. Dickinson moved to Michigan with his family when he was a young child. He attended law school at the University of Michigan and practiced law in Detroit. That's a heck of a name. Donald W. Dickinson. That was a mouthful. That's great. Like for a, a Postmaster General. Ugh. That's a lot. Can yeah. I get your Donald W. Dickinson on this form right here? Thank <laughs> you. We'll release the package to you, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am? All right. So... We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back with this week's topic. 
Celebrating two years of creating unique artwork for the home, Bone Jackies is a woman-owned business right here in the Great Lakes State. Bone Jackie's mission in life is to make people happy by spreading their love of horror and cryptids. From shadow boxes to wall plaques, they've got something for everyone. Would you believe it? Take a look for yourself at BoneJackies.com. So it's Pride Month, which by the time this show airs, it's just about over, but still technically Pride Month. And as far as I'm concerned, the LGBTQ plus community should be able to celebrate their pride every month. So if you're listening and you don't want to hear about the LGBTQ plus community, come back in two weeks. Also, please don't send me hate mail. I don't take kindly to hate mail or homophobia, especially if it's about people who aren't just my friends, but also my family. So well said. Thank you. Anyway, I wanted to share the story of Ruth Ellis, African-American, lesbian, activist, and icon. All of our information is from Wikipedia, Michigan Women Forward, NPR, University of Michigan, and the Ruth Ellis Center website. Oh, yeah. Before we get too into it, I know there's probably some listeners who are unfamiliar with the acronym LGBTQ+. And since it's going to get used a lot in this episode, I wanted to be sure that everybody was on the same page. LGBTQ plus stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, or bi-attracted, transgender, queer, or questioning, and others. The plus covers all the gender identities and sexual orientations not covered by the other five initials. Ruth Charlotte Ellis was born in Springfield, Illinois on January 23rd, 1899, the youngest of four and the only daughter. Ruth's mother, Carrie, died when she was a teen, and her father, Charles, who was born a slave, was the first African-American mail carrier in Illinois. Oh, fantastic. In 1915, at the age of 16, Ruth came out as a lesbian. She claimed that she didn't actually have to come out to her family as they were very accepting. Apparently, she came out with the help of a psychology textbook, though she has said she was never in the closet to begin with. Quote, I never thought about hiding who I was, she said in a 1999 interview. I guess I didn't go around telling everybody I was a lesbian, but I wasn't lying about it either. If anyone asked me, I'd tell them the truth, but it wasn't the sort of thing people talked about much. So I'm just like really blown away by the fact that You know, you and I were talking the other day about this, and I, as most listeners will probably remember, I have a hard time with time. Mm -hmm. Like, I have a lot of difficulty wrapping my brain around the concept of time and how time works. And I wasn't able, I felt like I wasn't able to clearly articulate what I was trying to say the other day because I just kept talking in circles. But it's very hard for me, for my brain to reconcile that this woman, first of all, was born in the 1800s. And then that her dad was born a slave. And then to add on this sexual identity situation on top of that, which, you know, we know by reading other things in history that homosexuality and gender expression it's not a new thing, right? Like this isn't something that just happened. We didn't wake up and people were like, you know what I want? 
like that's not that's not the case at all like this has clearly been something that has always been there so to but i just still it's still very hard for me to kind of understand and put all of that into context that you know her her she was she was the daughter of a slave and a lesbian and Another layer of that is that she was so comfortable in her own skin and mm-hmm. had family members that were so comfortable that she didn't technically have to come out. It wasn't like a thing where it was like, oh my gosh, we're so surprised. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so there's so many different layers to this. And I just, I'm still, I'm still having difficulty like yeah. comprehending and, and putting all of these thoughts. It's like times change, but people don't. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, I just can't, it's very... And she was born 1899, mm-hmm. so just 30-some years after slavery ended. Right, Yeah. right. It's just, yeah, and that's what I'm... And, you know, it's 2022, and today, as we're recording, is Juneteenth, and you think about... You think about that too mm-hmm. like that that's another layer of it like she was she was a black woman and she was a lesbian and there was I, I just I don't know I'm not making sense I just it's very it's very cool and interesting and complex and amazing and scary and all of these things and I think that's why it's so difficult because I am having so many different emotions as a white heterosexual female living in 2022 i have all of these emotions about her and her life Mm -hmm. i think you're doing great baby thank you so as a side note i wanted to mention that and again this is kind of falls into the the way times change and all of that stuff but According to Wikipedia, the first time the word lesbianism was used to describe erotic relationships between women was in 1870. Mm -hmm. In 1890, the term lesbian was used in a medical dictionary as an adjective to describe tribidism. I'll let you look up the word tribidism. I'm still trying to keep this as family appropriate as possible. So that's for you to figure out and work out with your kids if your children are listening with you. But I just thought it was... Another interesting piece of this puzzle in terms of time and, you know, words. Right. The word didn't necessarily describe a person more than it described an act. Right. So Ruth graduated high school in 1919. Less than 7% of African-Americans graduated high school at this time. In the 1920s, she met Cecilian Babe Franklin. And in 1937, they moved to Detroit. Before moving to Detroit, Ruth worked for a printing company. When they moved to Detroit, Ruth began watching a young boy. She made $7 a week. Mm. How far could that go back then? Well, according to the story that I was reading, $7 a week back then would equate to only like $132 today. Oh, jeez. So So it was even poor poor money back then. Nothing. Was making Mm. nothing. Eventually, she was able to find a position in the printing industry where she worked until she and Babe started their own printing company out of their home. Ellis and Franklin Printing Company was the first woman-owned printing business in Michigan. She taught herself photography and ran the printing company and darkroom out of the home. She created flyers, posters, letterheads, raffle tickets, donation envelopes, etc. for local churches, businesses, and residents. So now she's also the first woman-owned printing company in the state. Yeah. 
self-taught at that. This woman was pretty... Dynamo. Pretty crazy. That's great. Ruth's home in Springfield was always filled with music. She was even able to play piano by ear. She loved dancing, bowling, playing piano, photography, and painting. Ruth and Babe's home on Oakland was the spot in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Specifically known as the gay spot, their home was host to gay and lesbian parties, but also a safe haven for the African-American gay and lesbian community. With the times being what they were, the home provided a safe alternative to the bar scene, which discriminated not only against gays and lesbians, but blacks as well. Ruth supported those who needed books, food, or even college assistance. Ruth and Babe were together for more than 30 years, but were no longer a couple in 1973 when Babe died of a heart attack on her way to work. Mm. In 1999, inspired by Ruth's giving nature, friends of hers opened the Ruth Ellis Center in Highland Park. From RuthEllisCenter.org, quote, Founded in 1999, Ruth Ellis Center, REC, has established a national reputation for quality and innovation in providing trauma-informed services for lesbian, gay, bi-attractional, transgender, and questioning youth and young adults, with an emphasis with an emphasis on young people of color experiencing homelessness, involved in the child welfare system, and or experiencing barriers to health and well-being. It is our mission to create opportunities with LGBTQ plus young people to build, to build their vision for a positive future. Our vision is a world where LGBTQ plus young people are safe and supported no matter where they go. There are five core programs at the Ruth Ellis Center. The Health and Wellness Center is partnered with the Henry Ford Health System and provides such services as quick visits for general health issues, STD testing and treatment, HIV testing, guidance, and prevention services, transition care for transgender youth, and birth control, among other things. REC is contracted through Detroit Wayne Integrated Health Network to also provide behavioral health services. There is a drop-in center available for LGBTQ plus young people between the ages of 13 and 30 where they can hang out as well as a place for a hot dinner or food to go, laundry services, open closed closet, support groups, help with job applications and resumes, a dance floor, and more. REC helps with housing too. They currently have two programs, the Kelly Stowe Project, helping sex trafficked LGBTQ plus by providing 6 to 24 months of rental support connection to employment assistance and case management, and the Rapid Rehousing Program, helping homeless LGBTQ plus by providing 3 to 12 months of rental support, connection to employment assistance, and case management. A third program is in the works and should be opened sometime this year. The Claremont Center will have 43 apartments, a cafe and beauty bar, shared community space, and a health and wellness center. The Kofi House and the Center for Lesbian and Queer Women and Girls provide advocacy, outreach, and case management to empower girls and young women between the ages of 13 and 30. The services provided here include education, workforce development, health and wellness, family parenting, support and intergenerational mentoring, and juvenile justice and foster care support services. And finally, the Ruth Ellis Institute, which works to inform and change nationwide systems of care through education and evaluation. Between 2017 and 2018, the Institute trained over 3,000 workers through 450 hours on content, including sexual orientation, gender identity and expression, tools for working with LGBTQ plus youth, foster care and juvenile justice, safe bathrooms, and more. Mm. 
It should also be noted that REC is only one of four centers for LGBTQ plus homeless youth in our entire country. In the entire country? The country. Wow. Yeah. If you visit the Ruth Ellis Center's website, you can learn about the center, check out upcoming events, donate to the organization, and they have a podcast. It's called Voices of Rec, R-E-C. I haven't listened yet, but it's in my queue on Apple Podcasts, so... If you're interested, I would absolutely go check that out and support Mm -hmm. Ruth Ellis Center. Ruth Ellis, absolute icon, was able to see the Ruth Ellis Center for about a year before she died. I'm starting to get choked up. (laughs) She was hospitalized for about two weeks with heart problems, but wanted to spend her final days in her home. Jesus. I'm too emotional sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. This is only like the third time I've cried today, so it's fine. On October 5th of 2000, at the age of 101, Mm -hmm. Ruth Charlotte Ellis died peacefully in her sleep. She has been recognized in a boatload of LGBTQ plus publications. As her 100th birthday approached, a documentary style movie called Living with Pride, Ruth Ellis at 100 came out. Jesus, I'm sorry. (laughs) You don't have to apologize. It's part of why I love you, baby which won several top honors at various film festivals. In 2009, she was inducted into the Michigan Hall of Fame. In 2013, she was inducted into Legacy Walk, an outdoor public display celebrating the history and people of the LGBTQ plus community. To everyone listening at home, don't worry. (laughs) This happens all the time. She's a very emotional, sensitive creature. She's a double cancer. All the time. This is a daily thing. Ruth was also the oldest contributor to Peace of My Heart, a lesbian of color anthology. In closing the story of Ruth Ellis and the Ruth Ellis Center in Detroit, I wanted to share what she said about her 100th birthday plans. I feel like there's a really good message here. (laughs) For her 100th birthday, she planned on handing out Baby Ruth candy bars, and she was going to, quote, party all day. In fact... I think I'm going to party for two or three days. Why not? Nice. I'm going to have all kinds of people at my party, gay and straight. I think sometimes... Oh, God, I'm going to have to edit. You can give yourself a minute here. (laughs) I think sometimes now there is a bit too much separation. I love all kinds of people, and I'm going to dance for days. Here, here, Ruth. (laughs) So... Before we completely end the show, I thought it was important to share a story from a friend of mine in regards to her being part of the LGBTQ plus community and being accepted by those around her. She's 58 years old. God. <laughs> you want to put a commercial in here? Come back? <laughs> no, we're just going to power through. She is 58 years old, wish to remain anonymous, but this is her story in her words. Boyfriends since kindergarten. 17 years old, had my first crush on a female. She was my boss and 10 years older. She knew how I felt. We were close. Absolutely nothing physical ever happened between us. 18 years old, I fell in love. I fell hard with a boy. I lost my virginity to him. I adored him. He left a few months later to join the Marines. We wrote letters. We talked on the phone frequently. Long distance. Lots of money. When he came home on leave, we spent time together. We spoke of marriage. He cheated on me. He moved in with another girl. I moved on. Another female, just some flirting and some kisses. Nothing serious. Nothing more than that. 100% back to males. Never looked back. Two marriages. Two failed marriages. Three children with my first husband. 
13 years married to number one, 10 years to number two. Along comes this gal, 10 years younger. She is sweet, kind, understanding, funny, and beautiful. My children are grown. It's happening. My children loved her and accepted her immediately. My friends accepted her. My mother, on the other hand, was not accepting of her. Quote, what will I tell my friends? I didn't care what she told her friends. My aunt, her sister, was a lesbian. They were very close, so I was pretty confused as to her worries about her friends. I just don't understand how you can do that, she said. My response to her was, when I was married, did you picture us having sex? Were you imagining what we were doing in bed? Her answer was, well, of course not. So then I said to her, then why are you picturing me and her? It took her months to accept it. I basically said to her, you accept it or you lose me. Years later, this was one of her favorite things to say to my wife. I didn't want to like you, and now I love you more than words can say. I have struggled with labeling myself as a lesbian. I just love. I love the person, not the gender. During the beginning of my new job, I hid my relationship as to not offend anyone or have them judge me before knowing who I was. In my life, everyone is accepting except my mom. Yes, it hurt, but in time, she came around. So that's the show. <laughs> Come here, baby. Oh. You did good. You powered through it. I'm glad uh, you showed your, your softer side here on the show. <laughs> I just, it's just really upsetting to me to think that I can't imagine. Oh. I can't imagine turning my back on my kids for really anything. Mm-hmm. But mostly, like, what does their identity have to do with you? Right. Like, nothing. Like, it will literally affect you in no way, shape, or form, except for that you may not end up with biological grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but that's really, really selfish. Mm-hmm. And it's so gross to me to think that in the year 2022, the LGBTQ plus community is still fighting mm-hmm. to have the same rights and the same respect from people that old white men get. So I just, I just hope that with this story and talking about Ruth Ellis and sharing my friend's story that it helps somebody to accept their children for who they are and who they love. And I hope that it helps somebody to say, you know what, it's okay for me to love who I want to love. So. I agree. Very noble mission we have in front of us. (laughs) It started as a desire just to travel the state. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, um, so yeah, if you want, more information about Ruth Ellis. Um, the website is ruthelliscenter.org. Um, there's really good information on there and um, people to contact if you're struggling. Um, I'm always I'm always available to listen. Sometimes it's easier to tell a stranger how you feel, and if I can be that stranger, like, you know, I've got plenty of tissues here, so um, <laughs> give me a call. Send me an email. We'll get back to traveling the state next week. Took an important detour this week. In two weeks. Two weeks. But yes. So, um, yeah. We're going to end it. Love you guys. Um, 
thank you for listening. Um, and we will talk to you guys soon.